Wow, that was a sweet introduction. So now let me tell y'all the real story. I am, I have to. We got to have some context here, right, girls? Okay, come on. So Heidi, I mean, Tracy and I, first of all, welcome. My name is Michelle Aranza. I'm married, have the privilege of being married to Pastor Casanova. We pastor the Lafayette campus. We get to oversee Lafayette, Broussard, Opelousas, the churches. It's been a joy, a joy in the journey, to be honest. And it's been a journey. But let me just share with y'all some context here. So I was 17. Tracy was 19. I was every bit of 17, every bit of 17. My parents paid for me to go to Bible college. So I go to Bible college and I'm dorming with a girl from up north and I am very much down south. And I just remember Tracy studying me, literally like trying to figure me out. Now I know Tracy well enough to know that she wasn't purposely trying to insult me. However, at the time it felt like that because I was so insecure. I was 17. And first day at college, if you remember, we had our dorm and then we broke down into groups and they had us share a story about how we got the resources to go to Bible college and how, and you have girls, I mean, 30 year old women going, I've always wanted to come here. So I sold my car and I worked at a donut shop and then I delivered newspapers and I, and I'm like, they're going to think I'm a moron. Personally, I probably am a moron. Okay, I'm 17. So they come to me like, what is your story? And I'm like, my mom and daddy paid for me to come here. And I'm here. Okay, and I love life. I've always loved life. So Tracy is just studying me and looking at me. And I had the most important thing in the whole world that a girl can have at 17. I had a boyfriend. And what I would do is I would write in classes. She remembers this. I had a big notebook and I would write a notebook to him. And mail it, and then he would write a notebook to me and mail it back to me because we knew that we, what we had was real. This wasn't Pastor Casanova, so it wasn't real, obviously. I broke up with him shortly after I got home. But our infamous conversation that is so funny when I think about this is we're sitting at a table together, and she's just looking at me. And I'm thinking, I'm going to be friends with this. I mean, we're just going to talk. So I'm like, so, like, where are you from? And she goes, Washington. And I'm like, where the president lives? And she goes, no, the other one. Just like that. Y'all know Tracy K. No, the other one. And I responded this way. There's another one? And she never spoke to me again. The whole tenure of Bible college, we never said another word, did we? The next thing I know, Bubba... My friend from Lafayette, from high school, Catholic high school, Fatima, is bringing this girl home to Mary, and he's bringing her to my town in the south, and they walk into my mom and dad's house, and we're going to like have this barbecue or something in the back, and I remember thinking, of all the people on all the planet, (laughs) Bubba could have picked, he picked her. We're not going to ever like each other. Of course, when they, but Jacob said he was marrying me, Bubba goes, Michelle Baudouin? Of all the girls in all the world, you picked her? Okay, so ironically, God has us in life together. She ends up having five sons and a daughter. I have five sons and a daughter. And the joke is, the standing joke between us now is, Olivia is me. My daughter, Amberly Grace, is her. 
So much so that you're going to love this. We're driving down the road day before yesterday, and she goes, Mama, a long time ago, like, not the olden days, but she meant to say that, okay? She goes, a long time ago when you got your driver's license, did y'all have to take driver's education or, like, you just got your license? I said, no, we just got our driver's license. And she goes, never even made eye contact. She goes, well, that explains a lot. (laughs) Never, she wasn't even being ugly. Like, she didn't laugh or anything. And I'm like, so you and me, Olivia, we need to be hanging out. And Amberly Grace and your mama, they need to be hanging out. Just a little bit. But look at me. The humor is, and I look at Tracy, and there is a sweet spirit here tonight. There's a strong spirit here tonight, not just sweet. And I'm so humbled to be here and to be laboring with Tracy. And I think never, I would tell you, never allow someone to define a season that God has not put a period on for you. Because God is about the whole of our lives, not just about one season. We all have our seasons of foolishness, our seasons of strength, our seasons of wisdom where we say things and we go, oh my God, I can't even believe I said that. That was so profound. (laughs) True? But at the end of the day, it's God and God alone. And if he doesn't show up, guess what? Cute as you are, smart as you are, we're all sunk. And that is just the doggone truth. Correct? So on that note, I do want to say, I do hope somebody puts those skits on Snapchat, Facebook, whatever you call them, because that was hilarious. And talk about make me feel old. Josh and Lindsay were in our Bible college. And they were like little students. She got brought in and reprimanded for wearing shorts too short. Where is she? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, kind of. Uh Uh-huh, just a little bit. So it's just like so weird that they're campus pastors. It's the humor of God that he chooses to use people like us. Imperfect as we are, he chooses to use us. One correction about the Arise Women website. It's arisewomen.com. So when you go to register, and you will go to register, because you are not going to be that girl, and y'all are not going to be calling Miss Tracy and Miss Cheryl and Claire and Lindsay saying, oh my God, I didn't realize Christmas was on the 25th, because it comes that way every year. Well, it's like our conference. I'm joking, but you're not going to call and go, the conference is this week? OMG, I didn't realize. Well, that's funny, because we've been telling you this for a year. Because it will be sold out, and there will be, I'm being serious. It finally got so bad last year, and this is no joking. I personally quit answering my phone, and you probably did too, Heidi, because people started texting and calling, like my dear friends who knew they had the hookup. Problem is, there was no hookup. I didn't have any more tickets. Like the fire people will only let a certain amount of people in the building. I can't break the whole fire law as much as I would personally love to. However, so here we are tonight. So I, that's a little walk down memory lane with Tracy and I. And then they became, we started the church. Well, before the church, they were in charge of the school. And then we started the church and we started growing. And here we are, two girls who are clueless. And that was our, that was like our prerequisite for ministry. You know what the Bible says that I love? One of my favorite passages. Girls, y'all want to write this down. 1 Corinthians 1, 26, 29. God says, I've chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. So I'm going to pick 
not the strong, not the mighty, not the wise, so that no flesh would glory in his presence. And that became our theme scripture. We're like, okay, we might not be the smartest, the cutest, the wisest, or the strongest, but God chose to put us in this seat. Therefore, we're going to do our job. And so we started having women's stuff because guess what women do? They come up cute like they are and they're like, Sister Michelle. Okay, Sister Michelle. Do I look like Sister Michelle? And we're in such a Catholic area. And I was raised Catholic. It just felt like I was a nun. Sister Michelle, we would love to have Bible studies. And I'm thinking, I would love to be the Queen of Sheba. But it's probably not going to happen. Okay? But they kept on. So I'm looking at people. I'm like, we got to do something for these girls. And so we did what was the smartest thing. I still think profound. We put in Beth Moore videos. And we studied Beth Moore with the girls. And we grew. And we grew. And they kept coming. And guess what? Why mess up a bad thing? Thank God Beth Moore had a lot of series. We just kept popping in the videos, and they just kept coming. But it finally got to a point where you know when the seasons change, and it's time for something different. And at that time, and this is still a walk down memory lane, okay? The church was still very formative. God, by his grace, sent us Heidi and Pastor Eugene. And Tracy is very right. I know y'all probably have heard a lot of Bible teachers on TV or gotten books. Heidi has such a God gift of taking apart the word of God and serving it to women. And when she came for the first year, I I mean, I knew Heidi as a friend, but I didn't know Heidi as a pastor. So Heidi first came and they had been laboring in the trenches for so long that my husband had this phenomenal idea. He said, I want you to go home for one year and tend to your home and tend to your children, which sounded wonderful to me because I'm a homemaker and a wife first and foremost. And I thought, that's good. That's exactly where that girl needs to be. She needs to be refreshed and be connected with her family. Not knowing that she was the answer to my prayer because I'm praying like things are growing. And I'm like, oh God. When Beth Moore quits making videos, what the heck am I going to do? Well, at, at the end of that year, we're in a bathroom at a restaurant somewhere, and we're talking about women's ministry. I'm like, okay, you know, the girls are ready for something different. And, and Heidi's like, I'd be more than happy to help you. I mean, I've, I've done this for a long time, and I think together we could probably come up with something. And I'm like, get after it, big girl. And she got after it, and we got after it, and we have never looked back since. And we started things called What You Are Here. Is this your first night here at anything women's ministry related for our Savior's Church? Okay, then you need to hear this. Because we started a thing called Spa Nights, and it it stood for Spiritual Principles Applied Night. So girls would come out, much like tonight. We'd have a great time of worship, great time of the Word, and then we'd have a great fellowship time for them to connect with one another after. And they grew and grew and grew, and finally we had Christine Kane one time, and she said, y'all, this isn't just a good idea. This is a God idea. This is a conference. That is how we grew into the Arise Conference. This is now our sixth year to be able to host and have the privilege of hosting the Arise Conference. As God would have it, things have changed. And now we're all at different churches. Tracy's here. Cheryl's in Eunice. Claire's in um, Crowley. Congratulations. Great call. Heidi and Pastor Eugene planted a work in Opelousas that is just exploding. But there is something about women coming together. When girls come together in the house, it's just like from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. And girls, there is strength 
in numbers. And when we come together on nights like tonight, whatever campus it's at, it's like we don't miss a beat. I loved getting here tonight and seeing the fruit of all of their labor and so many faces and having Lisa Schumacher here and having Kelly Bigwood here and getting to see so many faces of people that I haven't seen in a while. It's called the beautiful body of Christ. And we are privileged to be a part, but you are privileged to be a part. And I'm going to share with you tonight some of the stuff that God put on our heart But I want you to take notes because you know what? There is what God is speaking to you. It's our responsibility. It's their responsibility to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Because I'm speaking to you tonight. But guess what? Y'all are women of influence. And you're then going to leave here. And you're going to go back to your community and your street. And with the people you do life with. Who I'm never probably going to meet in my whole life. It's your responsibility to take the gospel message to your communities. That's how the body of Christ grows. The kingdom of heaven is built on relationships. The very first time God ever spoke, he spoke and said, let us make man in our image. God, the creator of heaven and earth, chose to not even do that alone, though he could. He did it with Christ the Son and the all-abiding Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our own image. The second time God spoke, God spoke and said, It is not good that we would be alone. Woven through Scripture is the heart of God for relationships. Because all, and you can write this saying down, this is a mantra that the girls at our church have. All real life change happens in the context of relationships. You're married, not by yourself. There's another person involved. Okay, childbearing, your job, your, your profession, your all, when you came to the Lord, you didn't come to the Lord. Someone prayed and led you in the prayer of salvation. All real life change happens in the context of relationships. And that is why God doesn't refer to us as a person He refers to us as a people. He refers to us as a nation. He refers to us as a tribe. It's always in a context that makes us very interdependent on one another. But girls, how many of you know we live in a day and age where there is a very independent mindset? Thank you for the computer and the text and the websites and the whatever that can serve a great purpose. But sad to say, more often than not, people mistake that, a text, a Facebook post. They mistake that for human interaction. And I know this to be true because we are pastors of a lot of people. And there's so much misunderstanding that happens through that. And I'm always correcting that. That is not real relationships. I love that God says... Your sheep, your flock. Okay, he says, you're a flock. We need one another. Woe to the one little girl that wanders off by herself. We know this to be true, right? Because God's heart is unity. But guess what the enemy's heart is? His heart is to divide and conquer. And that's why he's called the accuser of the brethren. Just like God's heart is unity. Do you know what the Bible says about the enemy? That day and night he accuses. He accuses God 
to you. He accuses you to God. And I know this to be true because I'm a pastor's wife. But you know how many times in a moment of deep discouragement, I've been to a place where I just go, like, are you even there? Do you even care? Okay. That's the enemy. Now, I'm smart enough to shake that off and go, get behind me, Satan. Yes, God is my father. Yes, I choose to trust his heart. And I choose to trust his heart because he's extremely trustworthy. But the other thing the enemy does, he accuses God to us. He accuses us to God. But the other thing he does is he's always causing havoc in the body. And he's always accusing you to one another. And girls, because I'm in between four boys in my birth family, and then I have five sons. So I know the difference between guys and girls. Guys don't do this. Guys don't do this, but this is what girls do. You go to lunch, and everyone's happy, and you have a great lunch together, and then you leave with two of the girls who were part of the seven girls that were at the table, and you get in the car, and you start talking on the way home, and the conversation goes something like this. Did you? Wasn't that so good? Yeah, I just love the chicken salad, and this was the tea. I love that kind of tea, and that restaurant. Oh, my gosh, it's one of my favorites. Wonderful. She was so adorable, you know. Did you find Felicia just a little odd? Yeah, that's so weird because I thought she was a little odd too. Well, you know what? I didn't want to say anything, but I kind of think it's because her and Tyrone kind of going through some hard times. And I mean, I saw on Facebook, reliable as it is. I mean, she didn't post it, but the neighbor three streets down posted. You know how things happen. And, you know, we just need to be praying for her. Foolishness. That is how the enemy comes in a body that is as beautiful as this and tries to mess us up. But we have to be smart enough girls to go, stop. He is the enemy. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the enemy. So anytime you feel like someone's accusing someone's character to you, I know your mom has taught you all this, that same person's probably accusing your character to somebody else when they're not with you because that's how the enemy works he's not satisfied with one he wants everybody mad at everybody that's the what but the why does he do that is because he knows that strength is in numbers and girls when we come together as a real body and truly reflect the heart of god Hell cannot stop us. And I've seen it over and over. And that's why the Bible refers to us as an army. When we do it right, it looks really, really good. And ground is taken. And I love that when the beautiful body of Christ operates the way the heart of God wants it to operate. Y'all, God is jealous. He's jealous over these works. Because though he's put people in charge, imperfect people, but people nonetheless, don't be dismayed. It's still his work. He's jealous over it. It's him who rises up and him who sets down. Um, 
Let me check over my notes real quick. I would just say, I have a little heart right here. Olivia, you would be happy to know. A little heart. And I go, heart check. Are you a divider or a uniter? That's one thing. Seriously, I'm not joking. As I speak, if you feel the Holy Spirit tug on your heart, make a note. No condemnation. Just something you need to work on. I want a purpose in my heart to not be that girl. The Bible says it in our mouth is words of life or death. And that's how the kingdom of heaven is built. Because if God created all the worlds with his breath and a word, and he created man and breathed into him, and here we were, then don't kid yourself. It says that our words also build or tear down. So just be mindful. Be mindful. Write some notes for yourself. You're a big girl. So tonight you girls are making history. Because this is your very first campus-specific Arise Night. We've never done these before. But at the end of last year's Arise, we talked about it and said, you know what? We, ca- we have a Rise conference, which is amazing. And we bring all these great speakers in, and it's such an experience. But the campuses individually really don't get to hear from us. And we really don't get to hear y'all. Just hearing worship tonight was amazing. I love that every campus has such a different expression. Just like we're all different, every campus has a different expression. So we said, let's do a Rise Nights campus-specific. So you're making history tonight. This is your very first campus-specific Arise Night. Give yourselves a hand. And I want to share with you this. There's a passage in Matthew 20, 1 through 16, and you can read it in its entirety later. Some of you know the passage I'm going to reference. It talks about a farmer. Let me back up before I tell you the story. I don't care if you've been here since they poured the concrete or if tonight's your very first night. And as I tell the story, you're going to see why. Because people just have a way of creating a hierarchy like I was here first type thing. And if you're here first and you create that hierarchy, guess what it does to other people who were not here first? It excludes. It holds at bay. But we need everybody to take in this incredible harvest. That is your daughters, your mamas, your sisters, your neighbors, and your friends. And your responsibility. So in Matthew, it says that there was an employer who had an incredible, let's just imagine a vineyard, a field that was just amazing. And he needed, the harvest was ready. He needed to get this harvest in. So he hired a bunch of laborers in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning. And by like 11, he realized, oh shoot, this isn't going to cut it. So he hires more at 11 and then he hires more at three. And at five o'clock, he still goes out and beckons other people. Okay, we need help getting this in. I'm going to pay top dollar for whoever will come help me bring in this harvest. Well, the story is reflective of the heart of God and the harvest that is the harvest girls today. And look at me. Don't kid yourself. The harvest today is very unique. It's not like the harvest was 10 years ago. I promise. It is a great harvest. So he hires all these people to get all the harvest in and he goes to pay the people. And the people he hired at 9 o'clock in the morning who work their tails off all day are ticked. Because they're like, so why are we getting paid the same thing that the people who came at 5 o'clock are getting paid? Sounds like a reasonable question. But the boss says, what is it to you? 
my agreement with you was that I would pay you what I said I would pay you. It's my field. It's my money. I'm the boss, and I keep my word. I made the agreement with you, and I made the agreement with them. It's what it is. And the Bible says, it says, such is the kingdom of heaven. So if you have been saved for a 100 years, or you got saved last week, I love that there's an equalizing factor. And it doesn't matter that I'm Michelle Aranza standing on this stage, and you got saved last week. It means nothing. We are all daughters of the Most High God. And each one of us have an equal calling and an equal purpose, and that is to bear much fruit so that our Father would be glorified. It's that simple, girls. It's not rocket science. Um, With great blessing comes great responsibility. And the Bible says, to whom much is given, much will be required. So even tonight, Tracy, y'all have done an amazing job of just setting a table and sending out the invites and having the wonderful skits that was adorable and just putting time. Thought was gone into for you. That's their part. But now you're being sewn into, and the Bible says that's awesome, but there's an expectation because now it's your responsibility to give out as well. And that's how the kingdom of heaven is built. So I want to talk to you about two areas tonight before Heidi comes up. The first area to equip you to do the work of the ministry is to, A, if you're keeping notes, protect your heart. And this is the passage I want to share with you. It says, it's Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. And again, you can read it in detail later. It says, my daughters, give attention to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. And I just wrote in small print because I love when my husband says this. What Jesus modeled, Jesus meant. All throughout scripture, he spoke to, not the mind, he spoke to the heart of people. Because it's the place where Jesus chooses to dwell. People who don't guard their hearts have issues. And y'all are all so cute, but I'm going to be honest. Sisters have issues. And I know this to be true, A, because I am one, and B, because so many girls come up to me all the time with issues. And, And I say this compassionately. There is a small percentage of girls, I'm not talking worldwide, I'm talking here, I'm talking to you who things have happened to you that you didn't ask for, you didn't invite, and they were violations. And that's a place of injury. But even you are required to tend your heart with all diligence. You can choose to be forgiving. You can choose to be unforgiving. All of that is your choice. But more often than not, girls come up to me and when they start telling me their story, I can't help but think, 
okay, if I was not on the stage, I would say it like this in my heart. Sister, no one has messed up your heart as bad as you have. Lord knows you knew you shouldn't have dated that boy. Your mama told you you shouldn't have been with that boy. Your sister told you you shouldn't have been with that boy. And then after that boy, your principal called you in the office and said, do not hang out with Joe Bob. But Joe Bob was so cute. Okay, and you're worried about someone else hurting your heart? Girls, please hear me when I say this because this will help you in life. Every healthy woman I know, regardless of her testimony, is a girl that has chosen to accept personal responsibility for herself and her choices. Even her wounds. A lot of violation. But that girl goes, okay, what's done is done. Can't go back. I'm going to go to a counselor. I'm going to read. I'm going to get myself planted in the house of God. I'm going to now surround myself with healthy people. But I, this is not, I am not a victim. I am going to take personal responsibility for myself. And on the flip side, and you can write this down, every 100% of unhealthy girls that I know are girls who refuse to accept personal responsibility for where they are. And it's everyone else's fault. It's their grandmother's fault. It's their mama's fault. It's their school's fault. It's their husband's fault. It's their boss's fault. It's the dog's fault. And look at me. Pitiful is not cute. It's just not cute. One of the reasons that God gave us the name Arise for the conference is that is what we're about. Someone beckoned us and called us and said, rise up. They tapped into the strength of who we are. Y'all, we are 51% of society. We are women of influence in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces, if we choose to be. That choice is ours. It's a place God has given us. Someone called out to us, and then it's our responsibility to call out to other people and go, okay, now you rise up. And it's contagious. You rise up, and girls around you go, well, I mean, if she can do it, I can do it, because I'm sure as heck as smart as her. I mean, seriously. There's times I've been in situations and I've felt so insecure and like just a keen sense of the obvious, Olivia, blonde like we are. I just look around the room and I go, let's just measure this up. I know I'm more articulate than her. I'm a little bit smarter than her. I'm not as smart as her, but it's okay because she won't even be in the room. She'll be taking registrations in the back. She'll be, what the heck? I'm going to do this thing. And I might have to do it scared, but I'm going to do it. So girls, tonight, if you are a girl who has not yet accepted responsibility for the condition of your heart, Commit to yourself, do yourself a favor, and say, by God's grace, I'm going to look up. That's where my help comes from. And I'm going to look out to where the harvest is. And I'm going to put bygones aside. And I'm going to start being productive about my father's business. Guard your heart with all diligence. Tonight before I left, I was getting dressed and... I do this all the time because we're girls. 
you come out, you know, your husband's on the sofa, and you go, baby, okay, tell me the truth. Do you think, do you think this looks cute? My husband most of the time says you look cute. But are you sure I don't look too fat? Are you sure this doesn't look too... Are we, am, I the, am I the only girl here that does this? Y'all are looking at me like I'm the odd one out. Come on, girls. Okay, I normally wear boots with these, but it's kind of warm, and I've got my toenails done, so I think I'm going to wear these shoes. you think this is cute? And he goes, baby, you look adorable. And I, I said, really? And he goes, yeah, and you should, because I just walked into the bathroom and into the closet, and it looks like a bomb went off. <laughs> I was in a hurry. Not to say it's a busy day. It's Sunday. It's a work day. We're on duty, girls, right? But I thought, I thought, isn't that how our hearts can often look? No, nobody sees our heart, y'all, but God. And the Holy Spirit has full access to your heart. So you might look really cute. But if the door was open to your heart, it might look like a bomb went off. Because it hasn't been tended to in a long time. Y'all, this is not a good word. This is a God word. The scripture says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it will flow the issues of life. So I would just champion you tonight. If you're wrestling with some issues, heart check. Might want to do that. Second point is protect your home. And I'm just going to go over the little passage, but it's out of Joshua 24, 15. You can write that down. And it says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day who you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers who they served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What Jesus modeled, Jesus meant Every one of us have a choice. How many of y'all are mamas in this room? I'm just curious. Okay. How many of y'all live in a home? Oh, that would be 100%. You might have a room in that home, but that's your home. You might live in an apartment. That's your home. So I just want to talk to you just a little bit about protecting your home. Choosing this day, who are you going to serve? And it happens like this. In my home, I'm the mama of five sons and one daughter. And it is my mama job to tend my home. So often, and this is another thing about pitiful. And y'all, please hear my, am I being too hard? Okay, please hear my heart. I can't stand when mamas look over their shoulder like someone else is supposed to be doing that job. It's, it's your job to tend your home, because that's the place of influence that God gave you when you married your husband, when you chose to have children. No one is coming in to do that for you. So if you see something that looks odd, that's called the Holy Spirit. Your teenager's been in the room for 15 days. You have a little check about that? You might want to go check. Because no one else knows he's been up there for 15 days. Okay, so in our home, and I'll just give y'all a few examples, humorous, but you're going to get the point. 
So I have all these boys. Jacob Jr., tall, skinny, Mexican, got into rap music. He's now 31, okay? And he would wear, do y'all remember this? And he would wear, they know, I'm sorry. Oh, Lord. Those boys. I'm going to write a book called Those Boys, Those Boys, Those Boys. Does anybody have more than five boys besides me and Tracy? Okay. So he got into rap music, and he's wearing these sagging pants. And we had talked to him about it and said, Jacob Jr., look. Okay, he's in high school. You're not, you're not allowed to wear that, okay? It doesn't look right. It's a poor reflection on you, poor reflection on your school, on us, blah, blah, blah. The next time it happens, there's going to be consequences. So he's, yes, yes, ma'am. So like, you know, maybe six weeks pass and it's a Sunday, it's a Saturday night and he has to go to a birthday party. And so I come down out of the house to go bring the party. He's already in the car, ready to go. Who would have thought? So I get in the car and we had to stop to go get his friend a birthday present at the mall. So we get out the car and we're walking into the mall and I look and he's wearing saggy pants. And I go, what are those? What do you mean? Like, like I'm retarded, okay? Like, what, what, I don't know. What do you mean? I'm like, Did, didn't we talk about this? Oh, those pants? And he goes, I'm, huh? whatever, duh. Okay. I said, okay, mm-hmm. okay, well, let's go in. So we walk in the mall, and at the time there was, I don't know if it was Adidas shop, some kind of sports shop right there, right when you walked in. We walked in. Walk into there. I put him in the dressing room. Y'all, he's 17 years old. Very tall. He's 6'5 now. Put in the dressing room. I went and got the cutest pair of athletic shorts, a little athletic shirt, the tennis shoes. Okay, hand your mom with the clothes. Okay, put it in the little bag, checked out. Thank you, ma'am. Walked out as we're walking out of the thing, dropped it in the trash can at the mall. All of his clothes. <gasps> Mama, what are you doing? That's my clothes. Was. Y'all, this is not a popularity contest. I'm the mama. They can pitch a fit. They can throw themselves on the bed. They're going to sob their eyes out. You just bring a little box of tissue and go, here you go, sweetheart. Mama loves you. Okay. Because at the end of the day, it's my mama job. Is that true, girls? Older mamas, am I joking? Okay. That doesn't amuse me when I see parents trying to be friends with their children. That is not guarding your home. Because what happens in your home, you have responsibility over for that small season of their life. Because one day they will leave and you won't be able to say anything and that's okay. But you need to be able to rest well knowing that while they were there, you did your job. So then we have Christian. Christian was into all kind of, I don't even know what Christian was into. Christian was into everything, to be honest. But certain kind of music, and we had talked about the lyrics of this music. You're not allowed to listen to music, whatever. So we get in the car. This is two years later. And we're driving down Johnston. And accidentally, he had left a CD in my CD player of my car that he had borrowed. It's just me and him. And I turn on the thing. And, you know, I don't even know what came out of there. Nothing good, I'm just going to say. Okay. And I see his face. I look at him. And he looks at me, and I'm like, what, what is that? Oh, I, I, I must have forgot. Did, didn't we talk about this, Christian? Uh, duh. Okay, they get that look like, like, like you're speaking Greek or something. Like they don't understand English anymore. Okay, okay. So pops out, does this, roll down the window. As the, the light turns green, we're driving. I'm like, Whew. Mama, Mama, I paid $20. That's my CD. I 
was. We are required, the Bible says, to choose who are we going to serve? Who are we going to serve with what we watch? And mama's for you. I mean, I, this is not my temptation, so I'm not being angelic up here. I'm not a TV girl. I've never watched soap operas. I've never, it just none of it amuses me. I'm an outside girl. Be mindful what you allow in your home on your TV, your music. I don't, I mean, I, I hate, and again, no condemnation. This is just, if it's a heart check area, check your heart. You know, I, we go to a private school and we pull up to school and more mornings than not, there's a very blessed, many blessed, wealthy families that go to this school and you see them in their beautiful cars and mom is on her cell phone, 7.15 in the morning, about to drop her children off. Now she's not going to see them again if they get out at three, but because she's working, she, they probably go to aftercare. Okay. And the children are in their seats and the TV screens are down and movies are playing. First thing in the morning, and I literally want to climb out of my skin and go, is is this a bad joke? You have this one moment with your children this morning. Y'all, it's our responsibility. It's one thing to watch the news and go, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And it is. And we can vote and we can pray. But I do have control over my home. And I am the mama. And I have no problem saying, turn it off. That is unacceptable. That's not allowed. Okay? I see more parents gripe about their children's cell phones. And guess who pays the bill? Mama and daddy. You have control over that. Girls... Put on your big girl panties and do your job. If you're a single girl, be mindful of what you're reading. Be mindful of the magazines you purchase. What goes in, don't kid yourself. Okay, you eat chips all day long, you're probably going to have a weight problem and a health issue. But the same thing with your mind and your spirit. What you're feeding yourself, y'all, is what you are. God calls us. So I pray tonight. Those are a few examples of guarding your heart and guarding your home. And the two words that they both have in common is your. And the person who gave you that jurisdiction and that responsibility is God the Father. And the Bible says that one day we're going to stand before God and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Whether it was your time or your home or your children or your influence, or your community, or your church. Y'all are very blessed girls here to have a beautiful house of worship, a place that you can be proud to invite other girls. And before Heidi comes up here, the last thing that I want to say, and I could talk all night because I have so many things. Olivia, you and me, we'll have to have a meeting one night. Just us and have a love fest. But... It occurred to me one day, Pastor Jacob and I, in most of our churches, we do a lot of support with human trafficking, along with a lot of other organizations. And people write checks, and we're praying that all those monies are going where they're saying they're going, and I have every reason to believe that they are, 
And we look at the horror of people being human trafficked. And it's like I saw something in the spirit realm just a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, this happens all over. Not in the way that they're saying human trafficking. You have girls you know who are just being trafficked right out of church and trafficked right out into just distraction, trafficked into foolishness, just trafficked this way, trafficked that way. Society is the traffic police, just trafficking your friends. Get that visual because these churches, it's a rescue place. You get in the business of getting those girls back to a place of health and wholeness. You be the strong girl that goes, I'm going to start bringing my friends. I'm going to start calling people out. Just like somebody loved me enough to, girls, you love them enough to. Loving God and loving people is not complicated. It's very doable. Love you, girls. Thank you all so much for this. Heidi, come on up. Hi, girls. I'm not going to take long. I'm going to wrap this up tonight. But let me just give you, I've got some kind of allergy, something going on, so just kind of bear with me. Um, Let me just tell you this, just just real quick, and and Tracy, Michelle, both of y'all, thank y'all for those very kind words. And we have known each other a long time, and you're totally right, Tracy. I totally remember where the playground was, and you, this, like it was yesterday. Do not know how that happened so quickly. But we find ourselves now, and Tracy, I'm going to put you in the same group, and I know you're not going to be offended by this, um, that we're at a place now to where we can see with a perspective that we've never had before. Lisa Bevere said this one time when she was uh, at one of our conferences or came to speak uh, uh, at one of our campuses, and she said this, and I'll never forget, it was many years back, and she said, daughters ask questions, mothers give answers, And grandmothers give perspective. And isn't that true? In the natural, if you have daughters, if you're mothers of daughters, I've I've got two daughters who are are grown now, uh, 23 and 21. We have an 18-year-old son that's about to graduate in May. And the mothers of daughters, they are asking questions about anything and everything. And they're just asking questions just to be asking questions. And, and, you, and you just cannot keep up with them and can't keep up with all the answers. And sometimes you just got to pull out the mother card that says, just because I said so, that's why. Because you just can't think of another answer. You're trying to talk to me. And it just, it just does not settle them. And you find just because I said so, that's why. I don't have another answer for you. And so mothers give, mothers give answers, the best answers we can give. And then some days we just get to the end of it, and again, we just go, that is just because, period, don't ask another question. But then you get to the place, not only in the physical, but in the spiritual we found ourselves now. You get to the, you get to the season of life to where you find yourself as a grandmother. And those of you who are here as earthly grandmothers, I'm not one yet, but I'm going to be a great grandmother one day. I, I'm totally confident of that. I'm nowhere clear near being it, but I keep telling my kids, you know, y'all got to get married first before y'all give me grandkids, but let's get the show on the road. But <clears throat> no pressure or anything. But if you're a grandmother here in the, in, in the earthly and you're a physical grandmother here, you understand you have a perspective for those grandbabies that you didn't have as a mama. Is that right? 
And you can see things and go, you know what, I wish I would have done things this way because I was far too stressed out and I've made too big of a deal out of this and I made too big of a deal out of that. And as a grandmother, you look back and go, you know what, did it really even matter? Did it really even matter that their hair was really brushed? I mean, really? It's important that their hair's brushed, but did it really matter on those days that they were going to come home looking like they had wallowed in in, in the mud pit anyway? It just didn't matter. Things that we made such a big deal out of. But Michelle and I, and Tracy as well, we, found our, we find ourselves now in a season of life, even in, spiritually, with spiritual daughters and mothers that we've walked with. That We're now in a perspective of being grandmothers in a way to where we can give perspective. We can give perspective. And Michelle and I were talking about this the other day because we were going, meeting with a lot of our staff and doing evaluations and all that. And Michelle... And I went to lunch one day and she said, Heidi, isn't it amazing how clear we can see everything now? And she wasn't saying that like we're all that, though we think we are. But, you know, she's going, isn't it just amazing how we can just see things so clearly now? And I said, you're right, we can. It's not clear as day. Like, if y'all have any problems at all, just ask us because we can certainly see it clearly. (laughs) And I said, but Michelle, this is the thing, though. We can't, and you are right, and we are awesome grandmothers in this house, and it is wonderful, and we can see everything, and we can answer every question. I said, but this is what the cool thing is. It's awesome because we don't have anything to gain. We don't have any personal gain out of this. We don't have any We've done what we wanted to do. We've done everything we could ever hope to do. God keeps giving us opportunity, and it's awesome and wonderful. But, you know, we're not aspiring to go up to the next ladder, the rung of the ladder. We're not aspiring to be the next biggest and greatest thing. We're not aspiring. Okay, we're too tired for all that, actually. But but just honestly going, we have no personal gain in it. So we can give her perspective. And this is the thing about grandmothers, and I'm not one yet, but I know this to be true. This is the one thing about grandmothers. You, as they're speaking their perspective, you may get mad at them for a moment, but you're not going to stay mad at grandma. Is that right? Now, you can get ticked off at mama and not talk to mama for quite a long time. But when it's grandma, bless her heart. Bless her little sweetheart. And you may be mad at her for a moment, but you're not going to stay mad at grandma. So tonight, everything that Michelle said obviously is so right and true. And the little bit that I'm going to tag on tonight is going to be right and true because we're so confident of ourselves in that way. But because it's the word of God. But that, that this is simply a perspective that you walk out of here seeing things different than when you walked in here. That you may think, oh, it's no big deal. And this, this conversations I have over lunch and it's no big deal. Or I'm tired of fighting with my kids and it's just not really worth it. So I'm just going to let it slide. And you've thought about how not a big deal it is. But you're going to walk out of here tonight prayerfully with a new perspective and go, it is a big deal. In light of the whole picture and the, the whole of what God's calling us, it is a big deal. And I'm going to walk out of here with a different perspective. So tonight, just very quickly... I'm going to hit on the third point, protect your, protect your heart, protect your home. As Michelle said, and tonight I'm going to hit on point number three, which is simply protecting this house. And in the house, I'm making reference to the house of God. The house of God, protecting this house. Just as women and as mothers, we are very protective over our homes and children, as Michelle just, just uh, made mention of. We're very protective. If somebody does something to one of our children, 
God help whoever did something to one of our children. Is that true? Okay. If some kind of foolishness or some kind of evilness comes into our home or some kid or teenager or young adult that's lost their mind and decides to try to bring into something our house that we don't allow, mama's going to have something to say about it. Is that true? And we're going to draw the line and go, not in this house, exactly like what Michelle said. But my challenge to you tonight is to be equally as protective and equally as vigilant about what we allow to come into this house, meaning the house of God. Meaning the house of God. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1, that I want to mention to you real quick. They're going to put it on the screen. It says this. It says, a wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. In the physical context, you can even, as what Michelle said about guarding your heart and guarding your home, is that that's how we build our house, but we tear it down with our own hands. What I'm going to talk to you for a second about is in the context of, again, this house, meaning the house of God. Building means that implies that we're doing something. Building is a verb, meaning that we're doing something. The actual meaning of building is, means to establish or to strengthen. If you're going to build something, you're establishing something or you're strengthening something. And so forgive my grammar when I say it this way, but you cannot do nothing and something be built. You can't do nothing. You can't sit back and do nothing and yet expect something great to be built. Whether that's your marriage, whether that's your family, whether that's your home, whether that's your heart, whether that's the house of God. We cannot sit idly by and do nothing and go, God, come and build your house when we're not willing to do anything about it. That we're to protect and watch over and be vigilant about the house of God and what comes in here. It's our responsibility to strengthen this house because this house is the house of God. And if we're protected over, uh, protective over our own homes, how much more protective should we be over the house of God? If we're that vigilant over our own homes, how much more so over the house of God? Because the house of God is a place where lost people come to be found and where blind people come to find sight and hopeless people come to find hope and spiritually dead people come to be spiritually alive. This is our house and we should take great responsibility with it because you never know who's walking in the doors of this house. You never know who's walking in the doors of this house. Five years ago, if you can believe it, it'll be Easter. It'll be five years that Pastor Jacob and Michelle sent Eugene and I to Opelousas to start the Opelousas campus. We'll have our five-year anniversary on Easter. And that you never know who's walking in the doors of your church. On a Sunday morning, you may get yourself together, get your family together, drive up. Everybody's wonderful. All the greeters are here. And you walk in. And you have the liberty of worshiping God in a free and wonderful way, but you don't know who may be sitting next to you. And you don't know who's sitting behind you, and you don't know what the woman has faced before she had to get here. Shortly after we started the Opelousas campus, there was a single mama that had three boys and, and was just, you know, make, trying to make ends meet. And I got a phone call in the middle of the night. It was at 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't sleep with my cell phone next to me. And so I didn't get the message till a few hours later when I had actually woken up. And there was a message that they were in the emergency room. And that 
later when I when I called her as soon as I got the message, they were now they were in an ambulance on the way to Baton Rouge because her six year old son had woken up in the middle of the night with a severe asthma attack and had gone unconscious and he was in the ambulance when she called and we prayed and we jumped in the car and got to Baton Rouge as quickly as we could only to sit there a few hours later with her in the room when the doctors come in and said that he's brain dead. And that we had to sit there and we had to hold a single mama's hand and we had to talk with her and had to comfort her and had to stand there with her when there was no other family around. And it was her and it was us. And we were her family. And that she had to make the decision of when to pull the plug and when and how she was going to donate organs. No mother would, you would never wish that for any mother. But that's what we had to walk through just a, just a, just a couple of years after starting our campus. Y'all have stories as well within your own home. You don't know who's coming in the door of your church. And only two months later, another single mama calls us frantically that she's been rear-ended from behind by two teenage boys who are driving far too fast and they're carelifting her teenage daughter down to Lafayette only to get down there for them to pronounce her brain dead and to sit there with another single mama and have to walk her through the same thing because you don't know who's coming in the doors of those church. And I look back and I think, what would have happened had Opelousa's campus never been planted? What would have happened if we had never gone and planted the church? Those two single mamas wouldn't have walked through the door. And those two single mamas would not have had the spiritual family they needed to walk them through the greatest crisis of their lives. That's why we have to protect this house. And that's why we have to protect what happens here. Because this is a place of refuge and safe haven to a world who's lost and dying and looking for the answer and we have it and we've got to be prepared and ready for when they walk through these doors are we ready for them the foolish woman tears her house down with her own hands and I'm not I'm not going to go into it anymore because Michelle did such a great job because the way that we can tear down this very house is simply by the words that we speak simply by the attitudes that we have And that if we come inside this house, and whether this house be Jennings, whether this house be Crowley, or Eunice, or Lake Charles, or Broussard, or Lafayette, or Opelousas, it's one house of God with many rooms, and we're all connected. And when you are victorious, we're all victorious. But when you suffer, we all suffer because we're all part of a bigger picture called the body of Christ. And that if we're not careful, we can be foolish, not intentionally, We would never intentionally go, I'm going to tear this house down. But it's by the careless words that we speak or the attitudes that we have or the judgments that we put on toward one another, not knowing what that woman walked through to get here. Maybe she was in a bad mood. Maybe she did have a bad day. We had a woman in our church a couple of weeks ago come in and basically all but cuss out a nursery worker up one side and down the next, like full on. Like, had to call the security to come pull her off, the poor nursery worker, whose first day was that day. Welcome to the nursery department. (laughs) So then I get wind of it. I know who the lady is. And I talk to her. And I didn't come in and I didn't go in and go, what in the world do you think you're doing? She's very new to our church. They've never been in a church like ours before. And I come in like the mama. And I come in like the grandma. And I said, sweetheart, what in the world's going on? Are you okay? 
And as she just began to break and say, Miss Heidi, you don't know what my morning was like. And you don't know what I had to go through to get here. And you don't know what I'm going through in my marriage. And you don't know what my kids and you don't know what 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 uh, 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 ridicule I'm taking from my family just because I'm in a church like this, because my family doesn't go to a church like this. And they can't understand why we're going. And Miss Heidi, I'm so sorry. I just had an awful, awful morning. The house of God, a safe place. I'm not going to reprimand that woman. I'm not going to get on tour. I'm going to say, when you have a bad morning and you need to tell somebody off, just come find me next time, okay? <laughs> I can take it. I've got some thick skin. You can cuss me out all day long, but just don't do it to the nursery worker, okay? Because today was her first day, and we're not real sure she's even going to come back next week, okay? <laughs> but we're going to protect the house of God, and we're going to believe the best. Instead of seeing the worst and believing the worst, we're going to make a choice as women of God to see the best in everyone who walks through these doors because we don't know what they've walked through to get here. That's how we protect this house. The attack of the enemy is not going to destroy us from without. Because I'm going to read you a verse in a moment that says that the gates, that I'm going to build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of hell will not prevail. The enemy's attack from outside is not going to bring this house down. It will be the attack from the inside, the strategy of the enemy from the inside out that he'll try to use to bring this house down. And what's inside this house is one another. And what's inside this house is other sisters in Christ and brothers in Christ. What's inside this house are imperfect people who haven't quite all gotten their act together yet. And if you've gotten your act all together and you've arrived, then let me shake your hand at the end of it because I haven't gotten there yet either. That's what this house is filled with. And that we've got to recognize that and we've got to recognize the strategy and the attack of the enemy is to work from within and try to destroy us because the enemy knows that he has no chance from the outside in. God is building his church and all we're simply doing is cooperating with what he's already doing. It's not because Pastor Jacob and Michelle are that great, though they are. And it's not because Eugene and I are that smart and wonderful, though we're okay. And it's not because... (laughs) And it's not because Pastor Bubba and Tracy or any of our campus pastors have all the brilliance in the world. And though they're wonderful, this is God building his house. And we are honored to be able to come alongside of him and cooperate with what the Spirit of God is already doing. And he can build his church with or without us. He doesn't have to have us to do it. This is the last days and the harvest is great and the fields are white. And God's going to bring his salvation. He's going to bring his forgiveness to a lost and dying world with or without it. I just consider it a privilege to be able to play a small part and to come alongside with what God's already doing. And I pray that that's your response and that your heart as well. It's a great harvest, unlike anything we've seen in our lifetimes. And for those of you who have been around for a long time, Eugene and I have been in ministry for 26 years, and we have never, ever seen what God is doing in our day and age now as we're seeing it right now. And as the world is as awful as it is, and it's awful, 
And you cannot watch another newscast. You can't watch and it without all the bad news. But the, the promise of the Word of God is that as sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And church, this is our finest hour. This is our finest hour. This is not to shrink back and be scared and go find a cubbyhole and go dig in it and get inside these four walls and nobody touches. And if we get here, we'll be safe. These doors should be flinging wide open to anybody and everybody that wants to go in because people are dying to find the answer to this craziness and this madness. And his name is Jesus and he lives in this house and we need to introduce him to people that desperately, desperately are looking for him. God is building his house and we have the honor and privilege of coming alongside of him. And I don't want you or myself to make any kind of foolish decisions and foolish words and foolish attitudes and little nitpicky things that don't really matter at the end of the day that's going to eventually tear this house down. And when the lost are ready to come, it's not going to be a healthy, strong house ready for the harvest that God's coming, bringing in. That's our responsibility to make sure that it's ready I don't know, some of y'all may have heard this, um, and uh, just through whoever, I don't know, Pastor Bubba, if y'all even knew this or not, but again, we started Opelousas Campus five years ago, Easter. We have been in rented facilities for five years, and we've been, we've been at a couple different facilities, and we grow, and we go to the next, and we go to the next one. It's not us, it's God bringing the harvest into a dry, dry land, a, 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 a dried up community that so desperately needed a fresh drink of the living water. That's all that's happened. And so we came, we planted the, the, planted the church. So we've moved several times because we've outgrown. So we're now in the Civic Center, which is the largest building in Opelousas. And we're in three services. We're fixing to add a fourth service because God continues to bring the harvest in. But, and it's awesome. And it's wonderful. And praise be to God. But we don't own a facility. So we have, the, we have opportunity to that Civic Center for a 24-hour period, and that's on a Sunday. We don't have any other access to the building. So we can't have uh, special events. We can't, I mean, we're so restricted in what we can do. And we've looked at every building in Opelousas. We've prayed for every building. We've believed every empty building. We believed it was going to be our church. And every time the answer was no, 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 door slam, door slam, door slam. This past summer... There was an opportunity, and we now know why every door closed, and we now know why every answer was no, because if you're patient and God keeps saying no, there's a reason, because there's something greater on the other side of that no if we'll stay patient, if we'll stay patient. So last summer, long story short, there is, was uh, some property on the frontage road of Harry Gilbo. So if you're on 49 going north, through uh, from I-10 going north on 49. As you come into Opelousas, Harry Gilbo is an exit right there. There was 135 acres for sale that only by the grace of God we begin to go into negotiations. And the, the owner and really believed in what we were doing. He doesn't go to our church and really believed what we were doing and heard about the church. And we got to a place where we really, we were. Uh, my husband and him had made a handshake deal. There was a done deal. There wasn't anything legally drawn up. We were in the process of that. Well, in the process of the legal paperwork being drawn up, 
The big, uh, big uh, nationwide truck stop comes in, finds out the name of the owner, offers him a cash deal three times what we were offering him. So he calls my husband back and says, hold on, I'm not real sure I want to do this. I'm rethinking all this. What? Okay. Okay, obviously Eugene's a man. They handle it very professionally. That's why I'm not, and I'm on the other end crying my eyes out. So at some point, he called Eugene back and he said, I'm going to take this deal. They're going to bring in a cash offer on Monday. I just can't refuse it. And we said, we understand. And I'm in the background going, curse him, God. Get him. I wasn't. I felt like it, but I wasn't. So we were distressed. To say we were distressed was an understatement. And my husband is not one. He's the glass half full, very optimistic, very positive and, he, and when, he, when he's down in the dumps, then you might as well just drive me off the cliff. You know, going, huh? I'm not hanging on to anything good. If you're going down, buddy, I'm going down with you. So we go away for a couple of days, just kind of get our head screwed on. So we are like back at square one. At this time, it's four years. We're bumping 2,000 people. We're in all these services. We thought we were going to have some property. It's not. We're back at square one. And we're just, I mean, you're just like you've been kicked in the gut. And you're just going, God, I mean, I know what you said. And so through a series of events, we're, we're, we actually went to New Orleans for a few days. And one afternoon, Eugene went out just walking. I mean, if we'd have had like a hidden video on us, we'd have been like on the TV program, the most pitiful people in the world. <laughs> I mean, like we went to the zoo. We don't even have kids. We go, literally, we're at the New Orleans Zoo, like just roaming around. Not talking, just looking at animals, and we're going, I don't even know what we're doing. We don't even know what we're doing. We have no church. We have no building. I mean, pitiful, like full-on pitiful. So one afternoon, Eugene was just, he couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't handle me being so pitiful. So he decided he's just going to be pitiful on his own. So he's walking the streets of New Orleans. And I just sit down, and I open my Bible, and I just go, God, dear heavens, what in the world's going on? So I open my Bible, and I come to these verses. And uh, it's Matthew chapter 16. In verses 17 through 19, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's speaking to Peter. And these are verses that are very, very familiar that we've all known and read. And, and Jesus begins talking in verse 18. He says, and I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the kingdom, keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I read those verses, and they were familiar, and I said, God, I know these verses. You don't have to rub it in. I know you're going to build the church, but I don't know where it's at. And I just began to ponder on those verses over and over again, and then God just really let me see with new eyes. And when Jesus is speaking to Peter, he said, I will build my church. He didn't say, Peter, you're going to build it. Jesus said, I will build my church. But he says, I will give you the kingdom, the keys to build the kingdom of heaven. So the revelation that I got that afternoon was Jesus said, Heidi, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build it. But I've given y'all... Our Savior's church, you and Eugene, Pastor Jacob, Michelle, I've given y'all the keys to build the kingdom of heaven. 
Y'all build the kingdom of heaven and you let me build the church. And then I began thinking, musicians, if y'all want to come on back, I'm closing. I began thinking, what does building the kingdom of heaven look like? And as I began to think, building the kingdom of heaven is what we had been doing for the past four years. It was building a multiracial congregation that had never been built in Opelousas before. It was reaching out to neighborhoods and schools and children that were less fortunate and didn't have the means. And we were building the kingdom of heaven. What does the kingdom of heaven look like? The kingdom of heaven looks like people that are on your neighborhood and on your street and in your schools and in your family and in your job. That's the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is people. And Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. You let me build the church and y'all keep building the kingdom of heaven. Two days after that, while we were still in New Orleans, we get a phone call that the owner of the building rejected that truck stop's offer and wanted to come back to the table and talk to Eugene again. And in September, we closed on 135. Yeah. In, in September, we, we closed on 135 acres of land, Frontage Road off of I-49. We've been in negotiations and designing and planning. And on Easter Sunday, we're going to have a fly-through, a computer fly-through, because we've got the building designed and what it's going to look like. We're going to be able to show our people on Easter Sunday. But you go back to August, and it looked like nothing was going to happen. So what is my encouragement to you in all this? That you work hard to protect this house. You work very hard, women, to protect this house. Because there are lost people coming and there's a harvest coming. And the people that you've prayed for, many for your whole lifetime, you're about to see them walk through these doors. And that we have a responsibility to build a healthy and growing house for the glory of God right here in Jennings right here in Crowley in Eunice and Lake Charles Jesus said you leave the building the church to me but I'm going to give you the keys and I'm going to give you the authority to build this kingdom you keep building the kingdom I'll keep building my church and when harvest comes, you're going to walk into a church that's growing and healthy, that has Jesus as their answer, and lost people are going to get saved, and blind people are going to find sight, and hopeless people are going to find hope, and spiritually dead people are going to become spiritually alive because this is a healthy house, and we've worked hard to protect it. So that's my encouragement to y'all tonight. Work hard to protect this house. Work hard to protect the culture of this house. Work hard to protect the health of this house. And don't you be the issue that creates the problem within this house. And that when you see things or women saying things or attitudes or yin-yang that's going on in truth and in love, but graciously speak truth to them. Because the stakes are very high and lost people are very lost. And God is looking for a place that he can send his harvest. And this is a healthy house in which to do so. But you have a responsibility to help protect it. Not just the pastors and not just the leaders. You are the church.
And your responsibility is to protect the health and the culture and the growth for which God's called us as we build his kingdom to prepare for the loss that are coming. Yes and amen. I want to pray for you tonight. I want you to bow your heads and let me pray. Before I pray for you, I want to keep your, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I, I don't want to take for granted that there are maybe those of you who are invited tonight, maybe those of you who have had a relationship with the Lord, but you've walked away for whatever reason. Maybe some of you have heard about God, but you say, I've, I've never really accepted Him as Lord and Savior in my heart. I've never accepted Him and asked Him to forgive me of my sins. I want to make a commitment tonight to receive Him as Lord and Savior. I don't want to take for granted that everyone in this house knows Him. So before we go any farther tonight, if that's you, you go, Heidi, I've never, I've never asked to receive Christ. I've never made a commitment in my heart toward Him. Or I, I did maybe when I was a child and I've walked away from it. I just need to rededicate and recommit my heart back to Him. If that's you tonight and you want me just to remember you in this prayer, I just want you to lift your hand up. Just lift it up high across, this, across the room. Lift it up high right here. Don't be ashamed. You can put your hands down. I see those hands. And ladies, I want us to pray this prayer with him before I pray over you corporately. I want you to pray this prayer as we all pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me enough for sending your son Jesus to go to the cross and to die for my sins so that I wouldn't have to. I believe that you're Lord and Savior and I believe that you rose again on the third day. And I ask you tonight, Father, to come into my heart, to wash away all my sins, to wash away all my shortcomings and mistakes. And I receive you as the Lord of my life. I commit to you to walk with you and to love you and to serve you for all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Ladies, I just want you to stand to your feet all across the room. I just want you to lift your hands up to the Lord. I'm just going to pray a prayer, just sealing tonight. I know you've heard a lot. I just pray that the word of the Lord would come and the spirit of God would just come and seal everything that he's spoken to us tonight. Father, I thank you for your presence. Father, I thank you for this house of our Savior's church, Jennings and Eunice. And um, Crowley, Father, Lake Charles, I thank you for all the rooms that represent our Savior's church. Father, we are humbled. We are humbled, Father, at what you're doing. We are humbled, Father, by the harvest you're sending us. We are humbled, God, by the influence that you've given us. We are humbled. And Father, we say thank you for simply allowing us to come alongside, Father, of what you're already doing. And Father, I thank you for the promise of your word, God, that says that you will build your church. With or without us, God, you're going to build your church. But Father, we have our hands lifted tonight. Go, God, but please include me. 
Please include me, God, in what you're doing. Please allow me to walk with you, God, in what you're doing. God, please allow me to work the fields of your harvest, God. Please allow me to come alongside of you, God, and assist and help and labor and serve and work, God, in what you're already doing in this region, God. Choose me and allow me to come and walk alongside, Father, and be a part of the greatest harvest that we've ever seen. Father, I thank you, God, that you've given us the keys, the authority, Father, to build your kingdom. And Father, I pray over these women tonight in the name of Jesus, God, that you would burden our hearts. God, you would break our hearts for the lost like never before. Father, I pray, God, that we would not be judgmental, that we would not cast judgment, that, Father, we wouldn't put judgment on someone or make comparisons with someone or label someone, God, that we would simply look at the heart of the person, God, and see the lost and dying and the blind and the forsaken, Father, and the broken, Father, that that you would burden our heart that way. God, forgive us for seeing the lost any other way. Father, forgive us that you would come and you would break our hearts for this community. You would break our heart for our schools. You would break our heart, Father, for our neighbors and our co-workers. And Father, I pray that you would raise these women up as a standard, as a light, Father, in a very dark world. Father, help us protect Father, help us protect our hearts. God, help us protect our own homes to which we've been given influence over. And Father, I pray you would help us come and protect the house of God, which you've so graciously planted us into to see the greatest harvest that we've ever known. Father, seal this time together. Anoint your women for such a time as this, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone said, Amen.